Matthew chapter 1 is going to be our text this morning. At the end of the service today, we have three that are following the Lord in uh, baptism, and that's their next step, and uh, we're excited to celebrate with them. Uh, this past Friday, uh, Lee and Ben Fish in our uh, church welcomed uh, their baby boy, Deacon Benjamin Fish. They're planning to call him Deacon, which I love, absolutely love that. He weighed seven pounds, four ounces, 20 inches long. They were at our house uh, for a life group Christmas party on Tuesday, and uh, he was born on Friday of this week, and we're excited to celebrate with them. Also, I'm looking for Steve and Natasha Belch, if you just wave at me real quick. Right, right back here. Uh, they uh, joined the church a couple Sundays ago, uh, and uh, they have been saved and baptized, and their son Malachi uh, is with them as well. Let's welcome them to our church family, if you would. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Malachi came through our, uh, our there's Steve, all right, both of you stand up real quick so everybody can see your faces real quick, Steve and Natasha, and we are, we're excited to have them uh, be a part of our church family, you can be seated, and Malachi, their son, I uh, love his name, and um, he uh, went to preschool here, and it's exciting just to see what God is doing. Last Sunday, we began our, our brand new series, Hope Has Come. And uh, we were looking at uh, the fact that hope was prophesied by Old Testament prophets seven to 800 years before uh, Christ arrived on the scene, before the birth of Jesus. Last week we saw the prophets Isaiah, Micah, and Hosea prophesied about the coming Messiah. Everything was in the Old Testament uh, up to this point was pointing to the fact that Jesus was coming uh, as the Messiah. Hope is coming, and it's exciting to, to think hundreds of years before the Jewish people knew the Messiah was on his way, he was coming, the Christ child would come to be the Savior of the world. Today we're looking at the passage in Matthew chapter 1 that talks about hope has a name. Hope has a name, and biblical history records some spectacular births. In fact, the, the birth of Isaac uh, to a previously barren Sarah and Abraham, keep in mind, uh, this was nearly a hundred, uh, Sarah was nearly a hundred years old when she gave birth, all right? Uh, just this week, uh, my wife and I were talking about, you know, being in your 40s, you, certain things are just, you know, you, you uh, work in the yard for a little bit, and you come in and your back is killing you, and you, you go up and down the stairs a few times and you're, you're out of breath or winded, and I mean, you, you do anything with your kids, uh, my son is into wrestling, and uh, at night as I'm praying with him, and giving him a hug, uh, reassuring him of our love for him, that we love him, and I'll try to hug him, and he tries to get me in some kind of body hold or something like that. He wants to take me down, and uh, the other day he was wrapping his leg around me, trying to trip me and knock me on the floor, and I mean, I still have him by about 20, 30 pounds weight-wise, but he's got me by a long shot on strength and, uh, and, and, and moves and things of that nature, and and he'll try to, uh, to put some kind of hold on me. And, and, uh, but I, I love watching them. And folks, a hundred-year-old woman giving birth, nearly a hundred years old, to a, a child. It was so shocking, Sarah laughed at God. Do you ever laugh at God? Do you ever laugh at God's plans, his purpose, how he's unfolding his plan in our lives? And, and here's Sarah, she's, she's laughing, there's no way. Uh, Manoah, uh, his wife, also gave birth. She was barren, gave birth to Samson. Uh, he would turn a lion inside out. He would kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And he would pull down a pagan temple. Elizabeth had been barren. And God sent an angel to uh, let her know that she would be giving birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner to Christ. 
the forerunner to the Messiah. In our text today, the virgin birth of Jesus far surpasses all of these and really steals the show. And last week we looked at Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and do what, church? Bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel. God with us. God in the flesh. So today's passage is really the New Testament counterpart of uh, Isaiah 7, 14. So let's look into it. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by way of the Holy Spirit, by the, from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just and un, man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And, and he didn't want to bring a lot of reproach to her name. But as he considered these things, beheld a, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you, will, you shall call his name, what is it, church? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means... God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. We see the plan of God unfolding here in verse 18. God has always had a plan. Do you believe that this morning? God has always had a plan. In fact, don't forget that when you get in the middle of a great trial or the middle of a period of, of testing in your life, God still has a plan. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His plans are always perfect. Doesn't mean we always understand them. And folks, it doesn't mean in this life we fully always agree with them sometimes. There are times that we're like, man, God, what is it you're trying to show me? God, what is it you're trying to teach me? And maybe in the middle of it, we're, we're, we've tied a knot on the end of the rope and we're holding on trying to say, God, I'm waiting for you to show me. I'm trying to experience the, 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 the joy of my salvation. But I, I'll be honest, God, I'm struggling. I don't understand. I don't understand your purpose. I don't understand your ways. But folks... We can always trust his plan because his ways are perfect. They're, they're, he knows and understands. And I often say we have the dashboard view. God sees the helicopter view. He sees the big picture of what he's trying to accomplish for his church, for his people. And sometimes we are learning. We're in a period of, of, of learning the plan of God. Sometimes life really stinks. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes we face great periods of, of trial and stress, and, and sometimes bad things do happen to good people. Yet we can fully trust in his plan. And folks, I'm thankful we trust in a God who is greater than anything else. Who is more than able to sustain us and to walk us through the deep waters and to know that we're not alone. To walk us through the fire. And, and folks, many times he's carrying us every single step of the way as we have to learn to trust his plan. Verse 18 begins outlining God's plan for sending a Savior. Jesus would take on human flesh. 
His plan would include Jesus leaving the, the splendor and glory of heaven, coming to earth, and making possible a right relationship for mankind. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Mary was found to be with child by way of the Holy Spirit. And God's plan included God's choice of a special person who would be Jesus' earthly mother. Mary was a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph who was of the house of David. Not only did the father send an angel to a small obscure town in Galilee, he chose one of the most unlikely people, a special person to be Jesus' mother. Not only did he, he chose up, but folks, he used a teenager named Mary. In fact, in the Greek, it comes from the word Miriam and means exalted one. In that day, Jew, Jewish practice was patterned after Roman law. Girls would get engaged, listen parents, at 12 to 13 years old. Hold on. Back up. Let's repeat that. Uh, girls would get engaged at 12 to 13 years old. Talk about, I mean, I, it's hard to understand that, folks. But having gone to Romania a few years ago on, on some mission trips, we have a team going there this summer. And uh, many of the gypsy villages that we go to, it is like stepping back into biblical times because these girls get engaged at 12 and 13 years old. At the time that they hit puberty, they're getting engaged. And the time that the engagement period is over, they're getting married. And many of them start having children at, at the point when they get married. As a father of four kids and two of them being girls, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I can't wrap my mind around that. In fact, I've got a 20-year-old, I've got a 17-year-old, and uh, two soon-to-be 13-year-olds, and I'm not ready to, uh, I'm not ready to have a, a wedding anytime soon. I'm not ready to have grandchildren anytime soon. I'm not ready for any of those things yet because I feel like there's still a lot of growing up to do, a lot of uh, maturity to happen, and, and, and Lord knows they've come a long way, but the reality is, is I don't believe we're ready for them, but that was the time. That was the custom. That was the culture in that day. And, and, and it's common practice over in that region of the world. Those of you that go to Romania, you're going to see it firsthand. And I know I met ladies that were 32 years old that had eight children. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Uh, one of the pastors, one of the uh, gypsy pastors there, his wife uh, ended up having to get her tubes tied at, I think, 36 or 37 years old. After having nine children, because they said she would not survive another childbirth, and and, and so they, they had to tie her tubes. And I mean, it's just hard, it's hard to understand. But here's Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's astonishing. But folks, when God sovereignly chose Mary to be, it was part the mother of Jesus. It was the most astonishing. Out of all the women He could have chosen, queens, princesses. Sisters or daughters of wealthy, influential people in the day, from the city of Jerusalem. He chose an unknown, unassuming young girl named Mary from an obscure village called Nazareth. The God's plan and purpose often do not unfold in the manner that we as humans have selected. He most often chooses the simple things of this world to confound the things that are wise. Oftentimes, 
He uses the most unlikely, unlikely servants of God he will use to accomplish his plan and his purpose for the ages. And listen to the angel's record of Mary here as they talk to Mary in Luke chapter 1. He came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30 says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name what, church? Jesus. God's plan to bring redemption, to bring uh, forgiveness of sin is coming to, into action. God's plan all along was to bring hope to mankind. We don't have to go through this life living as a slave to sin. We don't have to go through bound by our, our past because Jesus is offering us forgiveness. He offers us hope. He offers us a relationship with God. We don't have to live in this life without hope. God loves us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what church? Eternal life. Jesus is offering his life. He offers us hope for a future. He offers us a home in heaven. God's plan all along is to offer a savior to pay for the sins of the world. Church, he is for us. He loves us. He cares about your every need, the struggles of your life. Jesus cares. But not only was there a plan, there's a purpose behind it. Imagine this morning being Joseph, being the, the one who's engaged to Mary. Not only is the girl that you're engaged to suddenly pregnant and you're not the father. Imagine hearing the words by way of an angelic messenger. <laughs> An angel appears to you and says, oh, by the way, the girl that you're engaged to, God has this supernatural divine plan for the ages, and she's now pregnant. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Did I eat too much uh, uh, red sauce uh, on my pizza or spaghetti last night? I mean, am I having heartburn? Am I, what's, what's the problem here? Am I, I'm struggling to understand what the plan of God is. Verse 20 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. He's explaining not only his plan, how this would all take place. He also explains the purpose for God. Verse 20 says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. God's purpose in sending Jesus was that you and I might be saved. Salvation would be available for mankind. God's purpose in sending Jesus was that he might redeem us. He, was, he made a way that when there seemed to be no other way. Jesus came as the Lamb of God. Ultimately, the Bible says to take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist told about it. In John 1, 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There was a plan, but there was also a purpose. Jesus didn't just come as a baby to perform miracles. He came for the purpose of ultimately dying on the cross. He came not to just, uh, he did all those things, but he came to offer eternal life. 
And I'm thankful that God would love even me. I'm thankful today that there's hope has come, that heaven and earth have been reunited. Folks, Jesus Christ came to be the hope of the world. He makes possible our freedom from the bondage of sin. So we see the, the plan and the purpose. But let's look at the person, because I mentioned earlier, hope has a name. The, the plan was... Jesus would be born of a virgin. The purpose would be that he would die on the cross for the sins of mankind. But the person, it says in verse 33, 23, rather, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The person of Jesus would come and be amongst us. He would dwell amongst us. Hope has a name. Emmanuel means God with us. God took on human flesh and dwelt amongst us. In fact, we said earlier in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The person that Jesus used, that God used to bring hope was none other than the son of God. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, in the form of a man so that he might redeem us that are dead in our sins. And I love the obedience of Joseph because verse 24 says, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Joseph didn't even fully understand the what, the how, the why of God's plan. He, there was no way, in fact, I can only imagine is he was trying to figure out what do I do from here? I mean, what are people going to say when they find out the girl I'm engaged to is pregnant and I'm not even the, the father? What are people going to say when they, are they going to, the whispering, the, the talks at the temple. You can only imagine the gossip that was happening on and around this small village, this small town of Galilee. Mary was, was he was instead he was trying to think of, should I divorce her? And put her out of her misery and, and the grief and embarrassment. But folks, the word of God says he married her and knew her not until she had delivered the Christ child. Church Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And he loves you. He's for you. He cares about your every need this morning. There's nothing that you're facing in this life that catches Jesus by surprise or off guard. His purpose was to save his people from their sins. And today we have hope because Jesus did come to earth. And he's also coming in. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us eternal life and salvation through Christ God. So Jesus is the hope of the world. There is no hope apart from Jesus. And this morning, everyone is talking about finding true peace, inner peace. Today, church, there's one thing that is for certain. No Jesus equals no peace. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there is not enough money in this world to bring peace in your heart and your life. No Jesus equals no peace. But to know Jesus, K-N-O-W, is to know peace. To have a personal relationship with Jesus, 
folks. Yeah, there are things that catch us by surprise. We will face adversity, persecution in this life. The Word says that's going to happen. In fact, I think the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more we're going to stand out. And we're going to clash with the culture because we're so wrath. Jesus' way was radical. His way is completely contrary to that of the world. So if you are in Christ Jesus, you're going to face persecution. Buckle your seatbelt. But folks, we can count on that. But the thing we know is we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God, our creator. Yesterday I preached a funeral. A lady that passed away at the age of 69. And I can tell you this with all honesty, there was peace amongst those family members because they knew their mother. They knew that their grandmother, they knew their great-grandmother. She had 12 great-grandchildren at 16. I was like, wow. I mean, uh, 16 grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren. But folks, the reality is, is they know, they said, mom knew Jesus. She talked about Jesus all the time. She sang about Jesus. She played the piano. She loved to sing songs about Jesus. There was no doubt in my mind that she's with Jesus this morning. She wasn't battling the effects of a stroke any longer. And folks, this morning, as we understand God's plan, he chose Mary as a young virgin girl, bestowed his favor on her. She was God's choice to be the mother of Jesus. Ultimately, though, she was just the vessel to bring hope to this world. She was just the vessel. But we don't worship Mary. She was just the person that Jesus was, that God chose to use Jesus, to bring Jesus to this earth. Folks, that's not who we worship. We worship Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes possible the right relationship. God used her, he found favor in her, but Jesus is the only perfect, spotless lamb of God. He is the only one who can save us from our sin. Yes, he came to heal the sick. Jesus came to feed the hungry. He came to bless the poor and, and lowly. He came to bind the brokenhearted and up their wombs. But folks, he came to deliver the demon-possessed. All of these and so many other things took place during Christ's earthly ministry. However, church, we must remember, ultimately, he came to rescue and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. So, folks, we don't, we don't sit here and worship a, a tiny baby in a, in a manger. And, and, folks, he came 2,000 years ago that way. We don't worship a God who's hanging on the cross. Folks, he did do that. But, ultimately, he was buried, and the word of God says, Three days later, he rose victoriously from the grave. We serve and worship a risen Savior. Jesus Christ died and rose again. Ultimately, he came to redeem and save the lost. That's the good news of the incarnation. That's why Jesus came. Say, Pastor, what's the, what's the application? How are we landing the plane this morning? The, the plan of God was to send his son to earth by way of the Virgin Mary. This was not the backup plan. This was the plan. You believe that, church? It's not a backup plan. It wasn't plan B, plan C. It's a rainy day plan. It's a snowy day plan. It's a bad weather plan. No. God's plan was to send his son Jesus to redeem 
the hearts and lives of sinful man. God's plan was to bring hope to all of mankind. God would send his son to earth. The purpose was that Jesus would come to offer hope. He came to be the savior of the world. And folks, it was the only way that you and I can be saved. What we do with Jesus determines where we spend all of eternity. What we do with Jesus determines our relationship with God the Father. Because the Word of God says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We don't measure up. God's perfect. He's holy. He's just. But He's also our judge. And what He says is ultimately what we do with Jesus determines a right relationship with God. He ultimately came so that he might die on the cross for our sins. A church that brings hope to every one of us. He didn't come just to save a select, select few. Jesus looked at the Gentiles, the, excuse me, the Jews looked at the Gentiles as, as less than. They'd pass by on the other side. They would avoid even driving their Tesla through that side of town because you know what? You don't want to have a battery that dies on you and get stuck on that side of the track. They wouldn't be caught dead going into a Gentile restaurant. Those people are unclean. Talk about prejudice. Talk about judgment. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The story of the Good Samaritan is all about that. The haves and the have-nots. Those but the, the reality is this morning is Jesus Christ died so that Jew and Gentile are now equal at the foot of the cross. We're both desperately in need of a Savior who died on the cross and is offering us a right relationship with God. The Jews look down on them. But one of the beautiful mysteries of the gospel is Jesus died so that Jew and Gentile alike can be set free from our sins and receive a right relationship with God. I love that. I love that picture in Ephesians as Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel and he says we are equal at the foot of the cross. Both Jew and Gentile. Folks, this morning Hope has a name. His name is Jesus what you do with Jesus ultimately determines if you experience genuine hope in this life. What you do with Jesus determines your eternal destiny. A person who has a personal relationship with Jesus experiences a hope the world will never experience or know. In fact, when I deal with people who've lost loved ones, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. My family experienced that firsthand in March of this year as my mom breathed her last breath here on this earth. It's been, a, it's been an interesting and challenging year. But folks, the reality is I wouldn't change anything about that. Because this morning, this Christmas season, this Sunday morning, 
My mom, who absolutely loved being in church and was here up until the very last moment that her body could muster up the strength to get up and walk in to the church on a Sunday, battling cancer, battling osteoporosis, battling dementia, all of those things. This morning, she's in the presence of her Savior. She has a brand new body, folks. She, she's not suffering. She's not forgetting people. So I, I mentioned the other night to our, our life group, our family quotes Luke 2, 1 through 20. It's a tradition since we were in elementary school. On Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and last year we did it twice with my mom. We didn't think she was going to make it to Thanksgiving. So at Thanksgiving, we read the Christmas story. And we, we quoted it. And my 83-year-old mother did not miss a single word with dementia. Years of dementia. She didn't forget a single word plan to Jesus would come to earth. Christmas rolls around a month later and guess what? We quoted Luke 2 all over again because we could, you know? And, and the reality is this morning is she is in the presence of her Savior. I wonder, do you have that hope that is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus? Money cannot buy that. Power cannot earn that. Good works cannot attain that. Hope is only found by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And folks, if you know Christ as your Savior, the Word of God says we have a responsibility. And in fact, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, What's this word, church? For the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. This Christmas season, we ought to have the joy of the Lord so radiating on our countenance. That co-worker looks at you and says, I don't know how you do it. I know you've had a difficult year of experiencing loss or frustration or trial but somehow you still have a smile on your face <laughs> my hope is not based on anything that happens in this life but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness folks, he's died on the cross for my sin and he's offering us alright, so it says be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. Folks, Jesus Christ has saved my soul. He has made me whole. He has forgiven me. Folks, my past is completely forgiven, and I will never be brought up ever, ever again. Be ready to share the hope that is found in Jesus. He alone gives it. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?